Hi, and welcome to Filmmaker's Compass Podcast, a show where we talk about movies and, well, more movies. I'm D-Man, joined by CP, and this is a fun episode because we have officially hit October. As exciting as that is, we are going to talk a little bit about some uh, Halloween movies and what we do to get into the spirit for uh, this season, as well as a few other things that we have a little gripe with. So CP, I'm going to throw it over to you. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing great. Super excited. Halloween movies are some of my favorite movies to watch in the entire year. So like one of two seasons where there's actually movies that we watch in conjunction with a holiday. That just always makes me really happy. Actually, three holidays, July 4th, Independence Day is pretty good. And Jaws, so you're right. <laughs> unless, right. Three. You, unless you we were got three. about that. <laughs> we got three seasons did, that we watch movies. Did for. you forget Christmas? No. <laughs> Fourth of July, Independence Day is also great. I mean, I think I did a list for that as well, which we'll, you know, we got time another year here before. And you mean you mean until we get back to July 4th? Yeah, yeah until a little bit of time. To July 4th. Just a little bit of time. But uh, maybe we'll do a segment for that when we get there. Yeah, today we're going to dive in on some Halloween movies, have some discussion about that. Um, and before we even get into the topics today, I do want to do our shout outs. So first up is the real James Holden said, I believe there were five Dragon Ball series, guys, not four. He listed Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball GT, Dragon Ball Kai, and Dragon Ball Super. Now, I am just going to let you talk here. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mr. Holden, I know that there were five. I did not mention Kai because it's a cheap, crappy ripoff re-edit of the best of the series, which is the original Dragon Ball Z. So um, no one should watch Kai. And if you did, you should hate yourself for it. I and have heard we'll leave it at that, that Kai is amazing, that it's actually better than the, the original American run in the 90s. Oh, well, no, granted, I have. That's a lie. That's a well, I have line. nostalgia for that 90s series, but I heard Kai like cuts out a bunch of the nonsense garbage, these like side quests and all kinds of stuff. And it gets back to like the real meaty, like what made Dragon Ball Z amazing. Now, granted, apparently in the 90s, it didn't need Kai to be amazing. But <laughs> you see, this is the beautiful thing about Dragon Ball Z. You have episodes of tension building and side quests and Goku and Piccolo learning to drive cars that you suffer through and the payoff is epic monumental battles for earth so can we just acknowledge you need the bad and the good the, the bruce faulkner score of the late 90s dbz was i mean it was pretty awesome a lot of traditionalists are adamant that you use kind of the score that accompanied the japanese version but i mean i thought it was great i oh, loved I think it it's fantastic but Kai does restore that as well if i'm not mistaken so there's a lot of people who are you know big fans of DBZ Kai. Is it DBZ Kai or just Dragon Ball Kai? I don't know. I'm not 100% sure. I think it's DBZ Kai. Next up on our shout outs is Lindsay Baker. And she said, it's a deal, my guy. Now that was in a direct reference to something you said on the previous episode. So uh, you guys can keep your deals. They're side deals. Just if uh, anything needs to be discussed on air, you let me know and I'll bring it up. So it sounds like we are due for an episode in the near future about me talking about lots of uh, Lord of the Rings movies, huh? Yep. So if if you guys want that to happen, I can definitely introduce that segment. So <laughs> well, uh, I feel like you are really psyched about this, D man. Really psyched. I know. I'm, I'm hinting very heavily that I want it to happen. So <laughs> yeah, I love talking Lord of the Rings, and I can't see why uh, that would change. So Lindsay Baker, I don't even know what your availability is, but this is a uh, remote podcast. Maybe <laughs> if you want to talk Lord of the Rings. 
let us know. Jump on. Give us give us some thoughts. Shout out to her. She did tell me she already started watching Extended Edition Fellowship. So I I'm the one who's lacking here. I gotta you know grab all those Potter movies and god it's gonna be terrible it's just gonna be awful um but that actually brings me to my shout out i was gonna mention james holden uh because well apparently that dude kind of sucks and doesn't seem to like what i have to say but i got some more hate mail this week as well a shout out to christian who said when he found out that i don't like the harry potter movies he said he lost a lot of respect for me and doesn't think i maintain credibility as a uh, filmmaker anymore so (laughs) dude who knows i might be off this show pretty soon (laughs) all credibility out the window yeah, because so, boy, sorry, man, that's what it is. I'm rapidly becoming the Matt Helson of this podcast. I'm finding out. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be a downer, but I totally agree with him. Um, <laughs> you have Thanks. lost all credibility. Yeah, wow. so if you don't like Harry Potter, you know, GTFO. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, since this is going to be my last uh, last podcast episode, <laughs> apparently, everyone, let's uh, let's get into the meat of it. So, D-Man, something I wanted to bring up with you, something that went on sale, well, Ooh. actually, yesterday, uh, this week, yet. tickets <laughs> for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. That is, quote unquote, Black Panther 2, and oh, it's nice. coming out November 11th. I mean, I honestly, I think it has, it's somewhat maybe a lower bar than Marvel's used to, but it could definitely be the best movie of phase four. And I'm hopeful that it is because looking forward to going and seeing that. But that's, that's kind of one of the things I want to talk to you about. I think Black Panther one is, is it like the fifth or sixth highest grossing movie of all time? So, I mean, in terms of it being a sequel and getting to match Black Panther, that is, that is an incredibly high bar. (laughs) That movie was insanely popular. It made a ton of money. It doesn't have Chadwick Boseman anymore. RIP. So, you know, the bar is high and the bar is a little lower, you know, depending on how you're measuring. Well, and that's kind of one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. Obviously, Marvel has been Teflon. Everything they do has, for the most part, been a success up until phase four. And when we say success, I I do want to clarify that both critically and among the fans, generally speaking, there was a general consensus that like Marvel couldn't miss that. Sure, it's comic book movies, but comic book movies are a thing. They generally produce really good stuff. Why? Why has phase four left so many critics and fans disappointed in your opinion, you know, there, I mean, for it's kind of the elephant of the room in in the, in the, you know, cinematic and and comic book community right now, but why? Cause they are not firing on all cylinders anymore for me. And I think this is part of when you're doing an ongoing kind of narrative, like the MCU is you really need to point people in the direction that you're going. So things across the different movies before they have an Avengers team-up film, they all kind of build and culminate to something, Okay. right? And so like if you watch phase one, phase one, uh, we at that point, we don't know anything about like the Infinity Saga and the Stones and all of that. It's just the Tesseract is in play. Essentially, it's the post-credit scene, introducing post-credit scenes in Iron Man. Nick mm-hmm. Fury is there by his presence, the announcement that S.H.I.E.L.D. is there, and essentially the Avengers initiative. We know that all the movies are going to culminate in a team-up movie, The Avengers. We know it's coming. Even if Marvel hasn't even announced it, they technically have in-world. It almost feels like you can't miss any of the movies because you're like, wow, when we get to The Avengers, like I want to know who all these characters are. And of course, it, even if you follow the comics, the villain in Avengers is Loki, who starred in Thor, or Co- starred part of that story translates over and there's a whole bunch of different elements the tesseract is from captain america obviously 
Tony Stark is our, our, our main guide through the MCU at this point because his story takes place concurrent to, I think, whatever it was, 2008. So yeah. kind of real yeah. time. Yeah. And then he also was the only one to have two movies in phase one. Yep. So he, we, we knew he was, he was our guide. Generally, like elements from each of these are kind of coming together. They're they're scattering around in post-credit scenes at this point for the most part. You're not getting a lot of character overlap, but there are directional things. But that's the biggest thing missing from phase four is it doesn't, I don't think it it points very well at where the story is going. Perfect example. End of Avengers, just like they did with Iron Man, post-credit scene. What happens? Thanos. And uh, <laughs> all of a sudden we're like, oh my God, they're going to do the Infinity Saga. Now we know, right? At that time, we still don't know the Tesseract is stone, spoiler alert. But generally speaking, we know <laughs> that now Marvel is going to build to this moment. It's going to happen. And they did it properly, correctly, even though, you know, the stones are film speak, essentially MacGuffins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they like, they build proper to this. And when you look at phase four, I think what really kind of dampens all of the new stuff that's coming out is essentially they're not pointing at anything. They were just kind of multiverse. And you're like, okay, but like, where's this all going? And that to me is like the number one thing that has happened here is, is it just hasn't culminated in any sort of direction. And don't get me wrong, like if you followed along at Comic-Con, it was a really big deal. Marvel or Kevin Feige, or I guess Marvel and Kevin Feige both came back to Comic-Con, which they've been absent from for a few years because of yeah. D23 and probably yeah. Marvel's own stuff. But they're back, right? Not only are they back, but they dropped like slides for phases five and six, which was wild because nobody expected phase six, right? These phases are huge now. Well, I guarantee you, Kevin Feige was like, yo, we got to step out and we got to be like, here's where all this is building, which is, of course, the Kang Dynasty. A lot of people wondered, you know, we got a hint of that in the television show Loki. But generally speaking, most of the movies have had no reference to that at all, like at all. I don't know exactly how this will all come together, but my guess is most of phase four, you could probably skip it. (laughs) That to me is the biggest, the biggest thing that's just hampering phase four is the MCU is this kind of collective universe, but there has to be a narrative. And I think uh, we, I mentioned it earlier, Tony Stark was our guide. The second thing that I think happened, they have, obviously they killed off some characters, Tony Stark, spoiler alert, included, but we don't have (laughs) that character who is necessarily our guide right now. Who's taking us through the overarching narrative? Who are we following, right? Tony Stark pops up in Captain America movies and Spider-Man movies and Avengers movies and Iron Man movies, right? He's the guy, you know, he's guiding us. He's guiding some of the characters, all that type stuff. Where is that person? But more than anything, I think there's this sense that maybe the MCU has become a little too diluted with characters and particularly new characters because they literally have introduced, I don't know how many shows now at this point. There's more movies in this phase than I think any other phase. It's close to three, but I think it's still going to be more with uh, like the whole conversation, you know, starter here, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. I mean, what do you think? Is it too many characters? I mean, you're a comic book guy. I'm sure you got stacks on stacks on stacks. Well, I think part of the problem is two things. It's not just the number of characters they've introduced. They are recasting some characters. We're going to say, quote unquote, recasting, right? Because Steve Rogers, played by Chris Evans, is no longer 
Captain America going forward, right? We're seeing the same thing with, with Iron Man being swapped out for Iron Heart. And they're introducing more characters. The people who drew us into the stories, the actors that we're invested in, and the characters that we're invested in are no longer really around for this phase when you look at the fact that going forward doesn't look like the Hulk is going to play a major role. There is no Iron Man. There is no Steve Rogers, Captain America. There is no Black Widow. There is no Hawkeye. Those are essentially everyone who is in the first Avengers movie. They've all been axed. Hulk might be out there somewhere. And Thor seems like he may still be kicking ass, even though, you know, I mean, say what you will, we're not going to get into <laughs> Love and Thunder on this. That's not what we're doing. But there's a couple of them that are still around. I'm sure they'll pop up again, well, probably. in The, the point is, there's a ton of new characters who think for general audiences, they just don't have a lot of connection. You know, Shang-Chi, the Eternals, you know, I mean, again, we're talking about a Black Panther movie without the character Black Panther. Yeah, right? there's... That's, that's Miss kind Marvel. Of a, yeah, it's not exactly forget about the, Moon Knight. The draw that it was in the early phases. I think the other thing, though, with it's not just a saturation of characters; it's a saturation of content. And I know I complain mm. about this to you all the time, in the sense that by the time we got to Avengers One, really the buy-in is: hey, watch two Iron Man movies, a Thor movie, a Captain America movie, and a Hulk movie, and you know everything that is going on. As an uninformed comic book, as an uninformed moviegoer, it's a essentially a day of movie watching and you are ready to enjoy the Avengers. Now it's all these phases that have been building upon each other. I mean, how many movies per phase? In addition to it, there's the television series. And I think the other problem with the television series is at this point, it seems like the only one that really, truly directly ties in is Loki. But with all the shows that are coming out, I think it's just hard for a very casual Marvel fan to stay up to date on things because you don't know what truly matters. Marvel has come out many times saying that the clues are out there, the fans will know. But I think part of the problem is you have to be a real hardcore Marvel fan That's true. to make the predictions. Whereas if you saw Iron Man at the very end of the movie, he's talking about the Avengers initiative. Well, if you've ever heard of the Avengers, you just have to have a little bit of comic book knowledge and you know exactly where this thing's going. The Avengers is actually pretty easy to explain. Like if you're sitting next to your buddy and you don't know what the Avengers are, you're like, what are the Avengers? They're like, oh, it's when all the comic book heroes team up. You're like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, right. Uh, I totally get it. You're like, or that's an easy, easy concept to be like, yeah, what's the Infinity Saga? You're like, in the Marvel world, there's these stones that make up all this existence and he's going to collect them all and try and wipe out half the universe. You're like, bam, pretty easy exactly. to be like, that's, I, what's, that's what's going on. I think it's the end of, is it the end of Captain America or the end of Iron Man 2? I think it's Iron Man 2 where they show the hammer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, cool, I know exactly what that is. And if you don't, it's not that hard to make the leap from hammer on the ground to the God of Thunder using the hammer. And I think the problem is if they've sprinkled the clues out, they've done a good job of burying them and hiding them. And there's all these all these false leads and, and potential storylines and grand themes that have been introduced. And it's just not succinct enough, I think, for the casual movie. Go I always use the example of my dad. Yeah. I'm like, I could go see an Iron Man movie with my dad and he knows exactly what we're getting into. He knows who Iron Man is. He knows who Tony Stark is. He can turn to me after the movie and say, what is that? Yeah. Now, he can't do that in anything phase four because I have to have like a four hour conversation to get him That's up to speed, right? Exactly what I'm getting at is, yeah, now you're like, well, what is that? You're like, well, hang on. I, like first, <laughs> go watch 20 movies and then like I'll explain to you where this Ex comes from the comics. Exactly. You're, yeah, you're kind of stuck. Now, that I think all of those reasons are actually all true. 
to an extent. But I also want to ask you, so these are the reasons why we feel like, hey, maybe does it feel like phase four is treading water? But I also want to ask you, and we can't possibly review each of the pieces of content. Do you think there has been a slight drop in quality? Whether, I mean, the big conversation in the film community was about VFX and special effects. We kind of talked about this last week with how effects have changed a little bit. Not only just effects, do you, do you feel like the storytelling is a little bit weaker than maybe say some of the other phases? Because obviously these other excuses, you know, if we were to correct all that, is this just not necessarily as good? I mean, that could be true too, right? I, I feel like <laughs> what we're talking around here is something like She-Hulk, <laughs> which yeah. there's been a lot of hate online because people are like, eh, it's not up to the quality of the other shows in terms of storytelling, in terms of visuals. I think part of the problem is obviously it's much harder now that it's so expansive, right? The MCU has grown so much. It's harder for Marvel to exercise the control that it did during phase one and two, mm, right? Interesting. There's also more people involved in terms of creatives. You know, in the That's early days, point. it was kind of like Feige was calling the shots, but I mean- And you got like Favreau. Favreau had done like two of the movies, like Kenneth Braugh did one. You had Whedon do one. So for the most part, there was like a couple people that you could almost get in the room and say, hey, is everyone on the same page? We know what we're doing. Cool. Good job, everybody. Get out, do your stuff, right? And now, I mean, the sheer number of showrunners and producers and and i mean the cast is like a quarter of hollywood is in these is in the mcu now like it's just a lot to maintain and try and exercise control over and no one can really do that yeah i mean that's what I that think. is a, that is a really good point that just in terms of of quality i don't i mean obviously i don't think it's from like a lack of effort or anything it's something that people are discussing is like hey you know the marvel's just, you know it almost seems like in vogue to like kind of crap on marvel on youtube and stuff now like i feel like people are like if you're not crapping on marvel then i can't take your opinion seriously and i'm like i don't know that i want to get so critical or anything i'm still enjoying phase four i like comic book movies like and i'm not here to uh just you know hate on everything but at the same time like yeah i mean maybe they are spread a little thin well, right the whether it's vfx studios maybe it's like hey you know ilm isn't working on she hulk like <laughs> yeah maybe you know and I think the other thing, too, is this, like, we have to be honest with ourselves, too. What has phase four included? I mean, it's a lot of, like, second and third and fourth tier Marvel characters at this point. You got Shang-Chi, Thor, but, I mean, Eternals, you know, we're talking Moon Knight, I know Blade is coming out. These are Black not, Widow, like, the movie, main... she was already dead. Yeah, and these weren't, like, the... spoiler. <laughs> and these yeah, weren't, like, I, that's two, two for four. I might reveal all of them. <laughs> Those weren't, like, major draws in terms of the actual comic books themselves. Yeah, right. I get what you're saying. These in are essence, secondary characters say... and, and more minuscule uh, comic book lines that are being brought to the forefront. And you're essentially, we're saying, hey, audience, like, hey, we know you guys, everybody wakes up and thinks about Doctor Strange. Go see a Doctor Strange movie. I mean, yes, we got a Spider-Man and we got a Thor, but it's- Oh, Spider-Man was amazing. But that was two of like eight movies. Yeah, damn, they pumped out a lot of Spider-Man movies in that short amount of time. Did Spider-Man get his own trilogy before? No, no, he didn't. Thor was on number four and Captain America got Civil War. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, you know, it's like one of those things where I keep hearing about it online and everybody's wondering. Well, anyway, the point is, though, that Kevin Feige has finally come out and said, like, bam, here's where we're going. He even actually has a quote. I don't have it in front of me, so I'm only paraphrasing here. Essentially, he was like, the threads to the Kang Dynasty will be laid in, like, Ant-Man and Quantum Mania or whatever. That's interesting to me because I was like, damn, so you didn't 
really lay the threads in phase four, essentially. You started and you're like, oh, you know, phases five and six will all build to the Kang dynasty with like one, like half reference in Loki, where I don't even know if they actually even say Kang's name. They just talk about like guy who looks like Kang. (laughs) Well, so... I, and and this is a big like I'm about I'm kind of shocked I'm about to say this but in defense of what Marvel, was his name he who remains was that his yeah, name yeah yeah okay and I say this because you know I'm a big DC fan so in defense of Marvel they did have two major life events that I think really shifted their trajectory of things and obviously Phase Four happened during COVID. So production timelines got pushed back. Theatrical releases got pushed back. They probably found themselves swimming for a little bit of filler content. But I think the bigger issue was the introduction of Disney Plus. Okay. And suddenly they are under pressure by corporate Disney to start releasing exclusive Disney Plus content in the forms of their television series, which they're trying to crank out to to continue growing their subscriber base. And they are cranking them out. There's been a lot. But there's also the challenge of how can we actually make these shows meaningly contribute to the MCU? And I mean, we've heard stories, right, about the A-team of like the Marvel MCU creative team all getting together and planning out the next decade of the MCU. Right. And so it was probably this big other element that got thrown in and they have to find a way to work it in. I'm willing to bet we're going to find out most of these, the stage four content has been sort of filler content while they adjust to both those huge things. Yeah. The way I look at a lot of the Disney plus shows, I have enjoyed them. Um, and actually, you know, phase four, like I've actually, I, I still go to all the premieres. Like I love Marvel. So having a great time. What's interesting to me is that the shows remind me a little bit more of like when you read comics and you're like, wait, what was that about? And then you kind of go back and read an old line to go find out more information. So like to me, the, the way the shows maybe could and potentially should work is something like uh, you go and watch the new Doctor Strange movie and you have Wanda who is looking for her kids or whatever. And But maybe you've never seen WandaVision. Well, now I might be like, oh, you know, I kind of want to go check out WandaVision. Or when they finally do like a team up movie and I'm assuming like Moon Knight will show up. Maybe when he shows up and he starts kicking ass and stuff, I'm like, who is that? That guy's dope. And then I want to go watch like his origin story. Doesn't feel like in the moment you need to watch Moon Knight right now. Miss Marvel's another one where it's like, I, I don't think there was anything in the shows that, like you said, kind of contribute to that decade long plan. It's just they're kind of like introductory stories to these new characters, which is fun. And like, if they end up becoming a factor, you're like, oh, Miss Marvel was awesome. Like, I kind of want to go find out how that came to be. Well, and I mean, and that brings me back to, again, I think the saturation thing, which I'm going to revisit because I just, I think that this is the biggest issue. In the amount of time you invested in Disney Plus series, that's the same amount of time you invested cinematically for the entire Marvel phase one. Yeah. I mean, think about that. What is that? Like seven or eight hours? Probably eight hours about? Eight hours. Marvel wants you to watch three or four new series a year on top of the movies. I'm like, you know, we live in a world where people are constantly competing for content. There's other things we love. There's other things coming out from Disney that are stealing our time away from the MCU. The commitment that we can sit there and just watch anything and everything all the time, it's it's just not practical. And so there's going to be a drop-off in interest because people just can't keep up with it. I mean, let's face it, even if you're just a student, it's hard to be A-plus on everything. <laughs> you know, very yeah. few people that can maintain that over a long period of time. No, you're right. It's just hard to do. So anyway, yeah, I, I don't know. I kind of wanted to bring it up because I keep running into this topic on social, on YouTube in particular, where right now it's just, it's like popular to kind of crap on Marvel, but I'm still enjoying the shows. I was curious what your thoughts were and kind of wanted to vent 
lent a little bit myself. That's why I have podcasts. Uh, <laughs> you know, what is happening to all of our listeners? You know, this is definitely something that uh, is not concrete. I mean, maybe CP and D-Man are completely wrong. Maybe a uh, phase four is the best one yet. You got to let us know your thoughts. Now, I highly doubt, and if you're out there, I hope you're listening. If you think phase four is the best, own it. But I don't think it is. I think we should get my buddy John on this podcast. I feel like he would actually make a very impassioned defense of Phase 4. So we might have Maybe to bring him should. on closer to uh, the release Black of Black Panther. The, yeah. Well, let's get that on the schedule then, because that would be a fun discussion. And I, I, like I said, I am interested in what our listeners think, because obviously Marvel is completely mainstream now. I'm assuming most of our listeners have invested at some level in the MCU, whether it's Phase 4 or not. But I am curious what your what your thoughts are. On that note, let's go ahead and uh, we'll go full circle here and get back to the top of the episode, which is uh, Halloween time. Yay! So, officially October, if you are watching this as a uh, video podcast you can see behind cp put up a couple of his halloween masks little pumpkin little decorations which i always appreciate your contributions on your shelf that is something that i think just makes this show way better what can i say i'm here for i'm all about the quality man yeah i love it i know i'm gonna have to like do something next time i don't know maybe even i'll get like i'll do like one of those ar filters i'll have i'll look like a ghoul But anyway, I wanted to ask you, and we'll go ahead and start with you. Uh, what are the top five kind of Halloween movies that you watched to get in the spirit of Halloween? So we're not mm. ranking them necessarily which one is, is the best movie, but what are your favorites to kind of get in the spirit of Halloween? So this is a totally subjective list, and I'm sure our listeners would have totally different lists. But I want to know what you do, because like you said, there's officially now three seasons of the year that uh, have a great stable of films and content related to that holiday. So this is, uh, I think, number two on that list. So five movies that I watch every October to get me ready for Halloween. Okay. Or to celebrate Halloween is one. All right. Fair enough. Uh, So the fifth movie and like full disclosure, this is not a good movie. Like, let's just own it. It is a total nostalgia trip. And you've all watched it yourself. Halloween Town from 1998 the oh, disney yeah. channel original movie yeah, i was gonna say if you have if you have reynolds channel, you've seen it kimberly j brown and yeah i mean it's it's actually appalling at the low production quality of the movie how like you know they go to halloween town like a town full of monsters in a parallel dimension the monsters are just like it's straight up like a mask with like just regular like people's arms yeah they didn't like, even like try it's like color. some guy just walked out of like the spirit halloween store with one mask on and they're like yeah that's good enough put him in the movie get him in I, is that not part of that movie's charm though oh i, I mean it's it like it's so bad it just owns what it is and yeah i mean obviously i've been watching it for what since 98 so like 20 something years almost 25 years At this point i'm just like sure gotta watch it every year and how um, many sequels did that get it got at least two four they're uh, <laughs> Because there's four Halloween Town movies. They're talking about a fifth one. So I guess that would be technically three sequels, right? But this is crazy. So I was actually reading about Halloween Town the other day. The director of the Halloween Town movie is Dwayne Dunham. He was the director. He directed the movie Homeward Bound and Little oh, Giants. I Homeward Bound. Oh, dude, I love Little Giants. And this, this is actually, do you know what his claim to fame was? No. He's an editor. If it's and not he, Homeward Bound, I don't know what is. He edited the David Lynch movie, Blue Velvet, but more importantly, he edited Return of the Jedi, a little movie you no. may have heard of. Yep. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, he kind of. So the editor did... for Return of the Jedi directed Halloween. Blew my mind when I saw that. <laughs> I was like, okay. Uh, he had worked as kind of like an editor 
on like a bunch of like uh, as like an assistant editor on a bunch of Lucas movies. And mm. this was the the one that but he actually was the full on editor of Return of the Jedi. Pretty freaking cool. amazing. Well, well done. We needed a Star Wars <laughs> reference, so I figured I would bring it today. Thank you. Number four for me is the Mel Brooks comedy, Young Frankenstein from 1974. So good. Intentionally shot in black and white. Gene Wilder, who stars in the movie, Mel Brooks, they both direct or they co-wrote it. I think it is just brilliant. Dare I say we do a uh, total rewind, Young Frankenstein? I mean, the casting's great. There's so many iconic moments and, 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 oh, it's just a great movie. So I always make sure I watch that. I usually actually end up watching that on Halloween before I go to bed. Okay. Yeah. I got a movie on my list too. Number three, 1978, probably the arguably one of the greatest horror movies of all time. Halloween. Yep. Written, directed, scored by John Carpenter. You know, I mean, this movie was selected for preservation in 2006 in the National Film uh, Archives. It's the movie that made Jamie Lee Curtis a star and it pretty much invented the slasher. I mean, its contributions can't be overstated. I mean, it was able to push that genre into a totally new, almost cliche direction, right? After everybody just copied all the tropes and all the stuff. But Michael Myers is an incredibly intimidating scary villain the score is absolutely incredible if you don't hear the halloween theme at halloween then you're missing out and i mean just so much brilliance i mean as an independent film just how successful and transformative it was i mean it pretty much is the reason why john carpenter is is respected as a filmmaker i think because it's just it's complete brilliance and when you watch it i just uh i love everything about the movie have you ever seen john carpenter's filmography it's amazing he's like made all kinds of movies oh yeah he's made and but the thing is he's made either terrible movies or amazing movies there's no like middle of the road ones I know, but even his terrible ones, like if you just put them on, like they're fun to have on. Oh, like, yeah. no, I he's mean, like a fun filmmaker. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> John Carpenter is just fantastic. And if you've never seen Halloween, like drop whatever you're doing, skip work, skip school, skip a wedding you're going to, just watch it like right now. You need That's to. Good. It's a really good movie. Number two, actually, and I actually consider this to be the greatest horror film of all time. Ooh. Nightmare on Elm Street from 1984. Classic Halloween costume. Wes Craven. Freddy Krueger. Also selected in 2021 for preservation in the National Film Ar- Archives. I am convinced it's the greatest horror movie ever. Just the way Craven is messing with the audience. I love it. I think it's so good. And we got to do a movie remake tying to that and the, and the, and the crappy remake. All right. And what's that fascinating, I think, about Nightmare on Elm Street is the original Nightmare on Elm Street is just genius. What he's doing and the way he tells the story and he even has the audience questioning what is real and what's not real in the movie. Pretty much every other Freddy Krueger movie with the exception of the third one, which he wrote, and Nightmare on Elm Street, A New Nightmare, which he wrote and directed, they're all complete crap. They're just <laughs> horrible movies. And I can't believe that the first one is so good and the decline in that franchise is just, oh. So you hit you hit two of the big three, right? Yeah. Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, and then there's Jason Voorhees. And I don't think he's going to make either of our lists. Even though we actually did do a total rewind on Friday the 13th. So maybe a Nightmare on Elm Street should get, get a total rewind too. Oh man, we're just, we're pumping out content, right? We have <laughs> then, so many content ideas. Like Lindsay Baker might come on. We're going to talk about Lord of the Rings, get her impressions. We might do some phase four talk. We might now do two total rewinds. So this episode has been very fruitful. <laughs> <laughs> I hope everybody's as excited as I am. And then number one for me, and we actually did a total rewind of this already, 1987's Monster Squad directed by Fred Decker. Written by Decker and Shane Black. I mean, God, I, you, I, if you want to hear me gush about this movie, just throw on that old episode because I gush about it a lot. Surprisingly fun. 
fun. You know, that was a movie that I had never really been into prior to our Total Rewind. And then I was like, wow, it actually like has large amount of charm, especially coming from all the monsters. Yeah, right. So it, it was a lot of fun. I think I we talked about it in the Total Rewind. I was like, I don't know if they quite capture the energy of a group the way something like the Goonies does. But the monsters were, yeah, they were awesome. Yeah, those are my five. That's what I watch every October. Nice. Well, I know there's one big omission you don't have on your list, which is I'm pretty sure on mine. So I'll jump in here. And number five on my list, I'm actually going to list Scream. Fantastic film. Watched it over the weekend. I'm mostly putting it on the list because the opening sequence with Drew Barrymore is is iconic. It is amazing. And the movie, isn't it surprisingly like funny? I don't remember that when I watched it as a kid. I remember being terrified. But like now I watch it and I'm like the characters and they're playing with like the teen movie tropes and like all this stuff. I'm like, it's actually really great. It's so much fun. It's just such genius in terms of the satire. I know by the time Scream had initially released, there was sort of a slasher fatigue and and Craven really found a way to liven it up again by poking fun at the genre, you know? Yeah, and it's very self-aware. Not only, obviously they, they, they literally call out things that happen in slasher films that are cliche or this this guy's got to die first or you know what I mean like yeah all this stuff it's like very self-aware and like the movie it, it's fun it has great jump scares it has that you know teenage slasher flick vibe and then the opening sequence I don't want is it it's the best part of the movie it's so good what's your favorite scary movie <laughs> <laughs> do you want to play a game no it's like amazing a cool thing about the Scream movies is actually the fact that Scream 1 is 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 phenomenal. But it actually is one of the few horror franchises where I actually think the sequel is is nearly as good as the first, which is Scream 2, obviously. So it was kind of just rare because normally it's a total drop off and they were able to almost strike gold twice, which was rare. Impressive. Yeah. Number four on my list is going to be Hocus Pocus. So I don't want to dive too much into this uh, because, again, as far as pieces of content go, to anyone that doesn't know, they just released Hocus Pocus 2. So I have not watched it yet. There won't be any spoilers here. But I did want to acknowledge the first one. This, uh, like Halloween Town for you, growing up, this was a movie that just, you know, showed up on the Disney Channel. And back then, if you don't have a VHS or whatever and you're just watching TV... You're watching what's on. Hocus Pocus was a big part of, you know, when I was a kid growing up, it was always on in October. It just feels right to uh, get me in the spirit for the holidays. And I am looking forward now to checking out the second one. Hopefully it's good. We'll see. Number three is Charlie Brown and the the Great Pumpkin. So this is a movie. I I think if, if you followed this podcast long enough, you know that I watch all the Peanuts shorts from back in the day with the Christmas one being my favorite. But I watch them all. They probably all make my list. This one, I like the Thanksgiving one and the Christmas one. Something about it just captures that nostalgia I have for Halloween season, but also a little bit the Midwest. I don't know. It just reminds me of home. Yeah. Number two, we're not really going to dive into it again, but as I mentioned when CP said it, uh, Halloween. So we do have a little overlap on our lists here, and we would have guaranteed overlap once you hear my number one. But I just have to acknowledge that Halloween is uh, aptly titled also (laughs) everything you want in the slasher genre. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's cool because the other thing Carpenter does in Halloween that I love is he actually acknowledges Halloween. Like they carve pumpkins, you know, they buy costumes, their kids trick-or-treating. It's a good celebration of the holiday. Oh, even the legend of Michael Myers started on Halloween night. Yeah, yeah, like oh, it's creepy. And then yeah, that score, man. We should just. I wish. Such I wish we had score. the rights so we could play it on this podcast as like we close out the episode. That would just be <laughs> done. That'd be my dream. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, 
And this is the movie that I was referencing mm. that I'm guaranteeing what could was omitted be? from from Christian's list. And we have talked about this movie extensively, whether it was referring to its sequels and remakes or the original itself. And it is Ghostbusters. So I watched that. I usually kick off the Halloween season watching Ghostbusters and I end the Halloween. I literally Halloween night. I always put on Ghostbusters when I'm done. Such so, a good movie. I don't know what we haven't said already about Ghostbusters that I could say now, but I just want to acknowledge that the movie is so funny. I love the effects. I love the action. I honestly, there's so many iconic things from the theme song to the logo to the Ecto-1 to their proton packs, their suits. I mean, the Ghostbusters themselves became Halloween costumes that you'll still see today. Stay Pup, Marshmallow Man. There's just so much iconography, so much stuff that came out of one film. It blows my mind. It's all still relevant. Same thing with the Halloween theme song. Go to any Halloween party and you're going to hear the Ghostbusters name. And it's yep. 2022. It never disappoints. <laughs> That's a good I point. still laugh at the beginning when he's doing the thing with the cards. I'm right in the middle of something, Ray. You know, <laughs> trying to get laid. <laughs> Using his science to, his science major to try to get laid. I'm like, oh my God. Right from <laughs> oh, the get-go. It's amazing. Such a good... So, all right. I have to say I, I approve of your list. I don't know if the listeners do or not, but I definitely do. I do have a question for you. And this is for you because you already brought this up and referenced it earlier. I also watch these movies. I didn't put them on my list, but I also watch Harry Potter around Halloween. Oh do you God. think those you are would. Halloween movies? Do you think they're Halloween movies? I mean, witches, wizards... I mean, one of the movies has a scene at Halloween. No, it's not a <laughs> Halloween movie. It's a Harry Potter movie. Like, you can celebrate that on, like, Harry Potter weekend. Like, the anniversary of the books. That's that's when it is, like, you know, appropriate to watch a Harry Potter movie. It is not a Halloween movie. Not in any way. Okay. I mean, so by that did. same logic, then you should say it's a Christmas movie, because don't they also celebrate Christmas in, in one of the Harry Potter movies? Side note, I also watch that scene every Christmas. Yeah, because it's just so great. D-Man... <sighs> Well, I don't want to apparently... get in. There's a there's another there's another movie I gotta ask you about too, and that's the Nightmare Before Christmas. Then is that a Christmas movie or a Halloween? Because I mean the the song at the beginning is amazing. The Halloween song. Mm -hmm. I mean it's very spooky. But I honestly, I'll, I'll give you my two cents, and that is that I watch the Nightmare Before Christmas at Christmas time. See, I actually think it's a Halloween movie. I mean, it's the nightmare before Christmas. Yeah, like, I oh, mean... It sounds like Halloween. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. There's, like, you know, pumpkins and Jack Skullhead and his ghost dog. Like, that's all very Halloween stuff. Skullhead? Skellington? Yeah, whatever. Oh, man. No, I mean, it's, obviously, there's the perennial debate. I think we've actually talked about this on the show, too, at one point. But, like, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Which, yes, yes it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. No debate there. But The Nightmare Before Christmas, is it <laughs> Halloween or Christmas? I guess it just, whatever you think of it is, as that's what it is, because it could be either, I suppose. But yeah. I go Christmas. I say Halloween. Well, audience, which one of us is right? I guess that's the, the next question. And Harry Potter is only for Harry Potter fans, not for Halloween. Which apparently the only people who are listening to our show are Harry Potter fans. So I think everyone is like a Harry Potter fan. So I think you're just in the minority on this. <laughs> well, thanks again. My last episode, everyone. So, uh, you know, appreciate it. Thanks for letting me be on the show. Question for you. I noticed your list was only, which you asked me, like five movies. But are there any television shows you specifically turn on during October to get in there? The frame of mind the number one thing that i watch i watch halloween episodes of sitcoms so whether it's new girl or parks and rec or the office or friends i think there's a great halloween episode in boy meets world where Corey thinks he's a werewolf <laughs> i love that uh, episode. love that episode so i i often especially now these days 
programming back in the day, you'd have to catch the Halloween episodes when they were on, on NBC, on Disney Channel, whatever it was. Now they're all streaming. So now I get the opportunity to go pick the episodes I want to watch and I'll watch a bunch of Halloween episodes in a row. Mm -hmm. And I actually really enjoy doing that. And then secondly, every Halloween, and again, this isn't technically like a Halloween story, but I watch Stranger Things, love Stranger Things. I think season one is probably one of my favorite seasons of any television show. Yeah, it's amazing. And I watch it every Halloween. It just gets me in the mood. Demogorgon, so creepy. Yeah, uh, it takes place in Indiana at that time. I think it's before it's at right after Thanksgiving. I think so. But the second takes season takes place around Halloween. And I always watch that episode, too. Not <laughs> all of season two, but I watch that one episode and the kids dress up as Ghostbusters, which is amazing. Even better. So one of my favorite Halloween sitcom episode lines, though, I always love in the office season two Halloween episode. Apparently, Michael Scott needed to fire somebody by the end of the month. (laughs) And of course, Halloween falls on October 31st and the office is going to have their Halloween party. Pam comes in and he's like, Pam, close the door. And she closes the door and he's wearing like his two head Halloween costume. And he's like, I have to fire somebody today. And she's like, why did you wait till Halloween? He's like, because it's very scary stuff. (laughs) (laughs) those are good no and then i love pam like tries to get out of the room she's like i have to go answer calls and then he looks at her and he's like but sometimes you just let it go to voicemail she's like oh i love your costume michael like he's gonna fire her costume wise like i love some of the costumes that they do dwight is uh he's a sith lord but everybody (laughs) thinks he's a monk and then he ends up firing the guy who's dressed as a homeless guy I really like the Modern Family. I think it's also season two Halloween episode where Claire is turning their house into a uh, haunted house for trick or treating, and nobody will actively like participate in making oh, it haunted. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. They one. all ruin it, which I like that one. I love the Friends episode one where Joey shows up and Monica hosts a, a costume party, and they're like, "Joey, you were supposed to wear a costume." He's like, "I did. I'm Chandler. Could I be wearing any more clothes?" <laughs> <laughs> Oh, hilarious. Which for our listeners, that actually reminds me of a great story. Back in college, I showed up to a Halloween party thrown by D-Man and staff dressed as D-Man. That's right. You did do that. That was amazing. Back when I wore, I wore like khaki shorts and, and polo shirts all the time. Which yeah. actually, side note, if you go back and look at uh, last week's episode, I was totally wearing like my old school getup. I had on like a gray polo and khaki shorts. Yep. So probably classic, didn't see my shorts, but classic but, D-Man. You any television shows or anything, or are you mostly sticking to movies? I tell myself every year I'm going to watch American Horror Story, and then I always start up. I'm always surprisingly disappointed in every season of American Horror Story, so I never actually end up re-watching them, mm-hmm. even though I say I'm going to. I pretty much watch season one of The Walking Dead again. Ooh, great. Because that first season is brilliant. The show declines from it but it's shot so well it's like a horror movie well if you're a fan of that show you probably know this i didn't know this but the walking dead is still on i I I guess it's like the final episodes i had no idea i thought that show went off the air i thought they just started doing like side stories still watching it man still watching it dang you're a lifelong fan it brought back some some of the OG characters. So yeah, the original series is is almost almost wrapped up. But I'm not going to rewatch wow. everything every October. Just I can manage six episodes from season one. The <laughs> other thing, another super long show, the series Supernatural. I always oh, go yeah. back and rewatch. Like I, there's a list of like ten episodes from like the first three or four seasons that I think are just amazing. And I that's always, where they uh, take the uh, isn't that where they take the old like kind of fairy tales or whatever. I think you're thinking of Grimm. Oh, is that what it was? Maybe. Yeah, okay. Supernatural is where they go around and hunt monsters. 
Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like okay. urban legends, like things like that. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, that does it for the show today. Uh, just wanted to kind of get in the spirit of Halloween and rant a little bit about what's going on with the MCU. So hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Obviously, these are some topics that we would love to get your guys' feedback on. So if you have a top five list of Halloween movies that get you in the spirit, you want to share them, be sure to leave a comment either on YouTube or shoot CP and I messages on social or feel free to text us if you got our number, whatever. I'm not going to give out my number for that. <laughs> But <laughs> and then let us know what your thoughts are on phase four of the MCU. Good, bad, what could they do better? What should they do next? We'd love to hear from you guys. So thank you so much for listening. Be sure to follow the show or subscribe on all the major podcast directories as well as on YouTube. And you can find all of our social and links to everything at filmmakerscompass.com. You can follow me at Big Kid D-Man. You can follow me at IndyCow5. That does it for the episode today. We will be back next week with a brand new show. Keep watching movies and we'll see you then.